Well, every blessing to you all, and welcome back to my open-air pulpit. By the grace of God, we have been able to open a new channel for YouTube. It is called 2020, colon, he that has eyes to see and ears to hear. And please subscribe if you haven't already, and if you are able to, tick the notification bell if you have a desktop computer. And therefore, with a new channel, the first in eight years, we want to post new videos, controversial videos, trying to look at subjects which we think have been overlooked. And one of our three videos that we posted already dealt with the horrendous paedophile problem in the Church of Rome concerning priests and nuns. And that story continues to ricochet around the world. And yet, I'm sorry to say that Already, it appears to have gone off the boil. People don't seem to be particularly concerned. A lot of Catholic apologists have been working overtime to damage the negative publicity. And every time this takes place, I'm always reminded of people like Joseph Goebbels back in Nazi Germany, or Andrew Card, who worked for a previous American administration, or Alistair Campbell, also had worked for a previous previous British administration and these skillful people take a bad story and they spin it and if you are a typical Catholic or non-Catholic and you come across this horrendous story of over 1,000 priests in Pennsylvania America raping abusing and in some cases murdering children in the hundreds or go to Southern Ireland you got nuns doing the same sort of a thing. You think to yourself, what is going on? And then you come across these slick, smooth apologists online, always very well paid, very well to do, putting a spin on things like Goebbels would do, or Campbell, or Card, like I say. And you say to yourself, well, I guess it's not as bad as we first thought. It's propaganda. Or you may say this, it's fake news, that term that Donald Trump likes to coin. It is fake news. None so blind that cannot see. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to call our new channel Eyes to See and Ears to Hear. Because a lot of people don't have eyes to see, don't have ears to hear, and they come across these sorts of stories, not just concerning the Roman Catholic Church. Of course, they are the worst culprits because they are the biggest. But when you find such abuse in Islam, and of course you do, or in Judaism, and of course you do, or false Christendom, and of course you do, and they say, well there you are, you see, everybody is just as bad as one another, or they use such terrible stories as an excuse not to repent, not to believe. You see, it's very easy to find faults in others, it's very easy to read about these priests and these nuns, and the last three or four, maybe five popes, covering up such abuse concerning priests and nuns and attack, and quite rightly so, such behaviour. But they don't want to go the next step, do they? And say that they too are wicked and evil. Every man at his best date is altogether vanity. There isn't anyone or anything that is good apart from God. So therefore, I thought what I would do this morning somewhat blustery, stormy September morning was head up to the open air pulpit and it's been a while I know since I was last here and attempt to take another look at the problem not just concerning the paedophile priests and nuns and past popes covering up such wickedness but why so many people close their eyes to what is really going on. I am fascinated when I watch our American brethren, our cousins in America, in the political realm, many times unsaved, being able to see straight through the lies from the liberal media, lies from liberal politicians, and yet they can't see through the lies of the papacy, or the Vatican, or apostate Christianity. I guess they don't want to see it. I understand why people behave the way they behave, because they know, even if they're not saved, that it will cost them something to stand up for the truth. 
and many times people don't want to do that. Go to Second Peter, please. Second Peter, chapter two. Second Peter, chapter two. And I was reading this this morning, and I thought this was interesting and relevant, and go some way in explaining why, first of all, so many people never get saved, or why those that have been saved will apostatize and cross the street and go over to good old Rome. And I'm thinking about people such as Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible answer man. For 20 something years, he had a very successful radio show. I think he still does. And of course, we know the background to that, how he was able to steal it from Walter Martin. And around two years ago or so, Hanegraaff crossed the street I went over to the Greek Orthodox Church, a church which attacks faith alone for one's salvation, a bit like the Council of Trent. I mean, it's one thing to reject faith alone, if you will, but to then turn around and put a curse on it, like Trent does, being the Roman Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church, they don't curse it so much, but they speak against it, they condemn it. You think, what is going on? Why would somebody like Hank Hanegraaff, and he's not the only one, there have been many apostates to cross the streets over the last two or three decades. What is going on? What is the lure? What is the pull to go over to a false religion? Or let's say, let's say this, let's say somebody is saved and they know that they are saved. Why would you then turn around and join a church or an organization which doesn't accept that you can be saved without belonging to such a church. Or in other words, if you know you are saved by what Christ has done for you, not what you do for him, why would you abandon that and go over to a system like the Greek Orthodox or the Roman Catholic Church and sit amongst people who, number one, don't know they're saved, going back to the sin or presumption. Number two, are trying to get saved, trying to stay saved. And number three, why would you sit with a group of religious people, whether Rome or the Orthodox Church, knowing that you are saved? Of course, it's always easy to say that someone like Hanegraaff is unsaved. It's always easy to say that all of the evangelicals that went over to Rome some 25 years ago were all unsaved. It's always easy, isn't it, to say that? But I'm not always sure about that. I don't think I could stand here this morning and say that all of those apostates that went over to Rome, or Hanegraaff being the most recent apostate, are all somehow unsaved. I know it's easier to say that, and when we say that we give ourselves a bit of leeway trying to understand the monstrosity of going over to a system which, like I say, attacks, rejects, and as far as the Church of Rome is concerned, condemns, anathematizes people that hold to faith in Christ alone. So you say, what is it all about? Well, let's look at Second Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. Great swelling words. You've got a picture there of seduction. Go back to the first century. The pressure on believing Jews to abandon Jesus and go back to the law was tremendous. It was tremendous. And just last night I was watching a rabbi on YouTube, an unsaved Jewish rabbi, a brilliant brain, incidentally, a great scholar, and he was taking questions and answers at a synagogue. It could be in Israel, I'm not sure exactly where. And one of the chaps in the audience was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and of course 
believing Jews nearly always call Jesus Yeshua. It was very interesting to watch this. He sounded American to me, Rabbi, obviously traveling throughout Israel, taking questions from this believing Jewish gentleman. And I watched the entire video, 38 minutes, very interesting. And some of what the rabbi said was true and some of what he said wasn't true. But I wondered how many people spotted the similarities when it comes to those that are academic, not just rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ's substitutionary atonement, but how they do it. And he was switching from Hebrew to English, English to Hebrew. Always be aware when people do that. Nine times out of ten they are wanting to impress you or give the impression that they are more educated uh, than you are. And I thought, watching that slick Jewish rabbi last night, how the Muslims do exactly the same thing. You get a British or an American or Canadian, you get a Caucasian man or a Caucasian woman converting to Islam and they go along to their local mosque and they may ask questions and what normally happens is this the mullah being the priest in Islam will start to speak in Arabic and he will say well if you don't know the original language of the prophet you can't know the mind of the prophet you can't know the will of God for your life if you don't know the original language that the prophet spoke and many times these Caucasians, like I say, come to Islam. They don't know Arabic. In fact, there are Muslims that are born in this country. Second, third generation, Pakistani, Indian, Bangladeshi. They don't speak Arabic. And that guy up in the pulpit is speaking Arabic. And most of his audience don't speak Arabic. And when they start to do that, in essence, they are treating their audience like second-class citizens. So it's the same sort of a thing when you look at these Jewish rabbis. Of course this also takes place in the Alexandrian cult. You watch someone like James White and Jeff Durbin and I did a video on those two gentlemen for our new channel. They too like to play the Greek game and they start going down uh, the Greek route throwing Greek words around, most of which people that watch such videos are unable to understand. Go back to Britain in the 12th, 13th, 14th century. You've got priests in the Church of Rome conducting, performing their masses in Latin. And the average Brit, 12th, 13th, 14th century, was unable to speak not only Latin, but even, or couldn't read or write even English and therefore you got people attending mass on a regular basis fearful of going to hell and the priest is up on the altar performing the mass in Latin they can't understand everything that the priest is saying they may be able to pick out certain words so you see nothing really much has changed it could be the mullah in the mosque speaking in Arabic showing off his linguistic skills. It could be the rabbi in Israel speaking in Hebrew, showing off his linguistic skills. It could be the Alexandrian cult speaking in Greek and showing off their linguistic skills. And most people don't speak Greek, don't speak Hebrew, or if you think of Islam, don't speak Arabic and they are treated like second-class citizens. Well, praise the Lord. Almighty God has bypassed such scholarly snobs and has given us the Bible in English so we can read it and believe it. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure to the lusts of the flesh, to much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. So in the context, you've got wicked people, reprobates, unregenerate, 
characters going around trying to draw disciples unto themselves that's what a cult is in essence follow me and be a member of my system of my church of my organization and people do that in their numbers it's not just people like Harry Krishna or some of the Hindu gods you've got people all over the world that are in false religions locked in systems unable to break out and you say how did they get in there well nine times out of ten they were born into such systems but sometimes that one out of ten that tiny percentage will convert will be proselytized and they end up going to such a system due to swelling swelling words of vanity through the allure of the lusts of the flesh just follow me they say follow me they say I know Greek I know Hebrew I know Arabic or follow us we are apostolic we have the keys to the kingdom never mind Jesus Christ being the door and the way the life and the truth and I watch these Catholics online and I hear these Catholics on television and on the radio taking verses out of context showing off bragging about their past as it were but the Jews are also the same they will say we go right back to Abraham in fact this rabbi that I watched last night brilliant brain like I say and somewhat he was saying was correct other parts were not but I thought this I thought let's just say for argument's sake that what this rabbi is saying is true let's say for argument's sake that Jesus Christ wasn't the Messiah that we can't trust the New Testament and how it's all been made up the entire religion being Christianity is all a farce and I thought to myself this if that were the case does our Jewish friend realize that if there'd been no Jesus if Jesus Christ had never been born or if Jesus Christ wasn't the Messiah or if most of the world up until recent times hadn't received him believed on him America was a Christian country originally Britain was up until around a hundred years ago so too was Canada Australia New Zealand if such Gentile countries had never received Jesus Christ if such countries had never been Christian to begin with in other words had such countries just been heathen our Jewish friend in Israel wouldn't be in Israel Israel as a country would be just a pile of rocks the Jews would be a third-rate people because America supports Israel Germany also supports Israel Britain supports Israel you've got millions of Christians all over the world praying for Israel to Jesus Christ somebody who the Jews for the most part don't believe in and if you were to take Jesus Christ out of the equation the money wouldn't be there and Israel would be struggling Israel would be a third-rate country in fact I'll go one step further than that it is quite possible that if it wasn't for Jesus Christ Western money Western prayers Western support 1948 would never have happened and nobody would care about the Jews either nobody would care about the Bible I mean just think about it for one moment if you will let's say there's no Jesus let's say there's no Messiah let's say there's no New Testament let's say it's all been made up and let's say the last Jew to arrive on the world scene was Malachi that's the last book of the Old Testament for the Jews at 2nd Chronicles you've got hundreds if not thousands of years of absolute silence no John the Baptist no Jesus or let's continue let's say John the Baptist did arrive and Jesus arrived and the Apostles arrived but let's follow the chain of thought concerning Jesus Christ not being the Messiah 
If he wasn't the Messiah, if the Western world hadn't received and believed on him, who would care about the Old Testament? Would you care? Would you care about the Old Testaments? Would you care about the Jews? Would you care about their heritage? If Jesus Christ wasn't the Messiah? If the New Testament wasn't the conclusion to the Old Testament? Be honest with yourselves. Would you care? Would you support a people that speak in Hebrew? A people that have a very different culture? A people that, for the most part, don't think much of Gentiles? look down the noses at Gentiles. What would you have in common with the Jews or Israel if it wasn't for Jesus? And I'm going to suggest this, absolutely nothing. 19. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. So go back to the first century. For the most part, you've got unsaved people going around. You've also got some saved Jews that were legalistic. One foot in the camp of Moses, one foot in the camp of the Messiah. Couldn't give up circumcision, couldn't give up dietary restrictions, couldn't give up Sabbath attendance, couldn't give up this, couldn't give up that, hated the idea of Gentiles being saved apart from all of those Jewish practices and they were going around undermining the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, attacking the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what this is really all about. Going back to false teachers, not always unsaved, trying to draw people unto themselves. It could be Charles Taze Russell, it could be Joseph Smith, it could be Alan White, it could be Mary Baker Eddy, it could be David Icke, it could be Ron L. Hubbard, it could be the Church of Rome, it could be the Greek Orthodox Church, it could be anyone, anywhere, at any time, doing so because they want to take all of the glory. So the pull was tremendous. And it goes back to mankind, saved or unsaved, it makes no difference, wanting more out of life. Saved people want more out of life. Saved people at times get discouraged, disgruntled disillusioned and they stop reading the Bible or they occasionally skim it and they go online and they find charismatic preachers and teachers or they join churches or fellowships and all of a sudden it is about an experience and they stop following the Lord Jesus Christ and they start following such people there is a spirit behind such people. But the worst part of it, verses 18 and 19, is how these false teachers are not only being led by unclean spirits, but they are lying to such people, promising them liberty, when they themselves don't have it themselves either. They themselves are locked in a system and if you don't believe me, just ask a Roman Catholic, a Jew or a Muslim, are they sure that they are forgiven of all of their past, present and future sins? Or ask this question, how would such a person explain the plan of salvation to you if you had 20 seconds to live? And they will start to uh, struggle to give you an answer and every so often you will get an honest answer like believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And yet you go back to the Church of Rome, a very complicated, zigzaggy maze of salvation, takes you nowhere, leaves you locked in a system. Or go back to the Jew in uh, Jerusalem, taking questions 
and that gentleman, a believer in Yeshua apparently, was not really given, or his questions, shall we say, were answered, but he was no match really for the rabbi in question. And then a rabbi said to the gentleman in the audience, do you believe Jesus Christ is God? Now anybody who was saved would say yes, absolutely, because 1 John chapter 4 says, if you don't believe that, you are an antichrist. And this gentleman in the audience said no, he believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. That doesn't work for me. If you are born again, the first thing you will get straight, if you are born again, is the true nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very God and very man. But I watch these characters like the rabbi in Jerusalem or the mullahs every so often on YouTube or those from the Alexandrian cults. I go back to, like I say, Britain, 12th, 13th, 14th century, so on and so forth. And I know what these people are doing. These people are, for the most part, following what they have been trained and taught. Those people have been through educational systems and they are trying to be smarter than their audience. And of course it works, because if you are a typical Muslim who has converted to Islam, you can't speak, you don't know Arabic. It could take you 20 years to learn it. And you, poor soul, you're in a system and all those people around you, all the leadership in such a mosque is speaking in Arabic. You're like a second class citizen, aren't you? Or you get saved, or let's say you are a Jew, but you don't speak Hebrew. And you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive him. And you start witnessing to your Jewish friends and family and sooner or later they find a rabbi to rebut you, to silence you. And those rabbis will say, but do you know the original language, being Hebrew, of course? And you say, well, actually, I don't know it. And they say, well, if you don't know the original language, you can't really know the Word of God. You can't really know the Word of God, this is what they say, if you don't know the original language. And that's what those from the Alexandrian cult say. If you don't know Greek, how can you know the Word of God? And people start to panic. They start to question their salvation. And they start running around. And many times they start to backslide. 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome... Of the same is he brought into bondage. This is what Galatians is all about. You've got Gentiles saved in Galatia and they too got disillusioned, disgruntled with what was going on all around them. Were aware of the heritage, the culture of Israel of the Jews around this time, the temple was still up. And some of those Galatians may have gone to Jerusalem and just observed Herod's temple, which at the time was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and thought, wow, totally blown away. This is tremendous. And they started to speak, perhaps, to the rabbis in Jerusalem, all of which were unsaved apart from Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, and words were exchanged. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and eventually these Galatians saved Gentiles, went back to Galatia and started to say, hey, guess what? I went to Jerusalem last week. And I saw the priests all dressed up, looking very ostentatious. This is why Protestants, evangelicals, have been seduced by Rome. They see priests around the world all dressed up, wearing very expensive clothing. And they watch pictures from the Vatican beamed all over the world. And many of those evangelicals and Protestants are seduced by what they see. Somebody once said that men 
fall in love with what they see, whereas women fall in love with what they hear. And therefore you've got men falling in love, in a spiritual sense you understand, with what they see concerning Roman Catholicism. Go back to the first century, you've got Galatians falling in love with what they saw, Judaism, the second temple. And of course Paul had to deal with such heresy, going back to Galatians 3, verses 1, 2 and 3. How did you receive the spirits of God? Did you receive the spirits of God being the new birth through the works of the flesh or through faith? And of course, you know the answer to that. They received the new birth via the Holy Ghost, through faith. The just shall live by faith. Look at verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. John 666 Many, not some, many of his disciples walked no more with him because the pull from Judaism was very strong. And they would say, well we partly understand Jesus Christ offering himself as the Messiah and yet we can't get our heads around the fact that Judaism the Mosaic Covenant, civil and ceremonial aspect of the Ten Commandments, is now obsolete. We can't, we won't receive it, believe it, so we will walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ. John 6, 6, 6. 1 John chapter 2 says how such people went out from the Apostles because they were not of the Apostles. Had they been the apostles, or had they been a parts of the apostles, had they been parts of the true, true church, had they been the Lord's people, they would have stayed with the Lord. But they went out proving that they were never saved to begin with. 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Well, of course, you're born again, washed in the blood, you know you're saved, your friends and family know you are saved, and then one day you cross the street, you turn from Jesus, you become a Roman Catholic, you turn from Jesus, you become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church, or you turn from Jesus and become a Jew. And the moment you do that, you are dead inside. You have betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've gone into a system which God detests, condemns. And if you remain in such a system and never come out of such a system, you will be bankrupt internally and externally. God will never use you. He can't use you because you have no message to share with anybody. But again, it's the pull from organized religion. It, it's a bit like Calvinism. It appeals to one's intellect. And like I say, a lot of people, a good number of people, are disillusioned, disgruntled, and dissatisfied with this or that. They want something more. And the problem with that is that there isn't anything more. If you have Jesus Christ, if you have the Word of God, what more do you want? What more do you need? What would John the Baptist say? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And here Peter, a saved Jew, is trying to deal with the pull, not just from heretics, reprobates, devil-possessed people going around kicking against faith in Christ alone, but on top of that you've got a spirit behind and inside 
of such dangerous people and also go back to Acts chapter 15 you've got the early Jewish leadership in Jerusalem led by James the Lord's brother also flipping flapping back and forth between law and grace always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth and tragically when that happens you can take an entire people astray 22 but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb the dog is turned to his own vomits again and the sow that was washed to a wallowing in the mire a man is called a dog if he's unsaved a woman is called a pig if she is unsaved like I said at the beginning of this somewhat windy message now it's always easier to say people such as Hanegraaff and all the evangelicals that went over to Rome 25 years ago or people that are converting at the moment were never saved to begin with but I think based on Galatians such people I believe were saved and they became incredibly legalistic they wanted to become more Jewish than the Jews they wanted to surpass the simplicity which is found in Christ Jesus and become more Jewish than the Apostle Paul and in essence create a two-tier system and that's what happens today isn't it you get people who are saved and again let's give some of these people the benefits of the doubt some of these people are probably saved but they are teaching faith and works James chapter 2 Romans chapter 4 and they are doing so because they want to in some ways and this is very crude of course they want to improve on the cross of Christ and I think it also goes back to the rituals that they see all around them if you watch the Muslims at Speaker's Corner they are very proud of their prayers they're very proud of their culture much like the Jews are as well of course and if you are a typical Christian man or woman not particularly grounded in your faith, in your walk, in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ you might get sucked into that type of rhetoric because that type of rhetoric appeals to the flesh you see that type of rhetoric, that type of ritual appeals to the eyes going back to the Galatians possibly going to Jerusalem observing the priests sacrificing the animals and falling in love with what they saw maybe Hanegraaff fell in love with the rituals found in the Greek Orthodox Church but of course the moment you do that you do betray the Lord Jesus Christ of course you do it's like if you are married and then turning around and wanting to be married to someone else at the same time you can't be married to two people at the same time you can't claim to truly love the Lord Jesus Christ and know you are saved based on his death burial and resurrection and then turn around and marry yourself to a system like Judaism that attacks it or Roman Catholicism which doesn't believe in imputation it believes in infusation if there's such a word now the wind is really picking up Jesus Christ is the only person that came to this world and in essence said this all those that came before me all those that will come after me are worthless because I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh 
under the Father, but by me. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's only one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. And when he said that, people didn't like it because it threatened their kingdoms, it threatened their dominions, it threatened their incomes. The love of money is the roots of all evil. If you convert to Catholicism, or the Greek Orthodox Church, or if you become a Muslim, or a Jew, you are expected to start tithing. They want your money. These guys don't go around doing this for nothing, incidentally. Like I said at the beginning of this video, most of the apologists that you see online, or you watch on television, or you hear on the radio, are full-time paid and very well-paid apologists. Whereas Jesus Christ would arrive and say, put your money away, you can't buy salvation. That's the mistake that Simon the Sorcerer made from the book of Acts. 17. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. So the spirit inside of such people here was obviously from the devil, was obviously antichrist, was attacking the Lord Jesus Christ because that is what Antichrist, uh, what Antichrist means in essence, against Christ, in the place of Christ. And as a result of this spirit, going back to uh, Lot, and of course he was buffeted with unclean spirits all around him, saved incidentally, a great pitch of the carnal Christian and also Balaam, 15, a ecumenical, for hire, priest, prophet, pastor. And that's one of the reasons also why there are so many dead churches, because they're being run by people who are being paid, and if the money was to be increased, they would abandon such a church and go elsewhere. But the tragedy is, when it comes to false churches, false religions, false teachers, false prophets, is that they are in bondage to sin themselves. They have no freedom, they have no peace of mind, they have no power to live a crucified life like they should do. And they are going around trying to get a following. And because a lot of people, weak people, saved people are not following the Lord Jesus Christ, are not reading the scripture, they get sucked up by such groups. The Jehovah's Witnesses have also been very successful in recent decades, just mopping up such carnal Christians. Come along, they say, to the Kingdom Hall. We will teach you the words of Jehovah and they get a good following. And people go along to that system and they realize within five minutes it is a legalistic system so legalistic like the galatians which goes back to what paul was speaking about from second corinthians 11 from memory the simplicity which is found in christ and he was saying how he didn't want the corinthians to lose sight of the simplicity of the savior he was fearful that they would get their eyes off the Saviour and start following men, doctrines of men. And that's what took place. Corinth was a carnal church. Galatia was a legalistic church. The Galatians were doing religion, left, right and centre, whereas the Corinthians were doing carnality, left, right and centre. 19. Why they promise them liberty. There's no liberty in Roman Catholicism. There's no liberty in the Greek Orthodox Church. There's no liberty in Islam. There's no liberty in Judaism. 
There's no liberty in Hare Krishna. If you speak out against such a religion, if you are a member, or if you, if you fall foul of some of the practices from such religions, they will penalize you. The Church of Rome have a penance system. They themselves are the servants of corruption, absolutely, because their flesh is no good. The best you can do is no good. Going back to nobody is good, only one, that being God. And when Jesus Christ said that, he was speaking about himself. He was affirming his deity. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. So now he has to keep the whole law. He has to learn Hebrew. He has to practice rabbinical Judaism, which incidentally isn't Old Testament Judaism, going back to my earlier statements. If Jesus Christ wasn't the Messiah, or really become an extreme person to say that Jesus Christ never lived to begin with, do you realize how different the entire world would be? There'd be no love for the Jews. There'd be no support for Israel. Israel wouldn't even exist. Nobody would care about the Jews or Israel because Jesus Christ is what brings Jew and Gentile together. It's because of Jesus Christ that I am a believer in both Testaments, a lover of the Jews and a supporter of Israel. And these Jews that are going around, incidentally, attacking the New Testament, attacking Jesus, don't realize it, but they are biting the hand that feeds them. If America was to stop supporting Israel right now, if Britain and Germany were to stop supporting Israel right now, she would sink. Most of what Israel enjoys is down to the Gentile support, which of course isn't even scriptural if you go back to the Old Testament. The Jews were to have no relations with the Gentiles. The Jews were to be masters in the driving seat. But of course they have abandoned Almighty God and as a result they are in desperate need of the Gentiles. Going back to how the Jews as a people would reject God the Father, 1 Samuel chapter 8. The Jews as a people would reject God the Son, Matthew 27. And the Jews as a people would reject God the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 7. And you would have thought by 70 AD, Gentiles surrounding the temple, burning it to the ground, destroying the second temple. The first was destroyed by another Gentile, Nebuchadnezzar. You would have thought, surely, what is going on here? We are the people of God. We've lost two temples. Well, let's say you live in Israel today. And you look at the Muslims all around Jerusalem and that hideous Islamic temple or mosque on the place of Solomon's temple. And you say, what is going on here, Lord? And those Jews, many of which are religious, start praying in Hebrew, calling on Adonai to deliver them from the Islamic presence. And on top of that, they've got Catholic churches all around Jerusalem. They've got Anglican churches all around Jerusalem. They've got Messianic churches all around Jerusalem. They are a penned-in people. The Gentiles control a good parts of Jerusalem because they have rejected the triune God. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. For it had been better for them, verse 21, not to have known the way of righteousness, being faith in Christ alone, than after that, than after, excuse me, they have known it, to turn 
from the holy commandments delivered unto them and put themselves into false works faith faith works system crossing over to rome greek orthodox church what have you and never getting out of such a system and 22 and i'll close again but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb the dog has turned to his own vomits again there's a picture of a dog and of course dogs in the new testament picture for the most part unsaved people back in the old testament dogs were referred to as wicked jews but for the new testament they are used for unsaved jews and gentiles and therefore if you see a dog vomiting and then going back to its vomit later and starting to eat the vomit there's a picture of somebody who has got saved has abandoned their standing in christ gone over to a system which doesn't believe that you're saved by faith in christ alone and then somehow has tried to get out of that system and that's what god thinks of those people he sees such people as dog-like vomiting and then trying to eat up their vomit they have vomited a picture of their revulsion of the cross of christ going back to how they trample underfoot the son of god afresh and then down the line they have a wake up they start to feel convicted they start to feel guilty they've lost that first love you see that's what romans excuse me that's what revelation is all about they have lost their first love they have become lukewarm you can't get peace joy satisfaction in religion if you go into a religious system after being born again you'll always be struggling to reach to achieve the level of perfection that such places preach you'll be struggling all of the time and the sow female pig that was washed to a wallowing in the mire so the lord looks at a saved man a saved woman that departs from him and goes over to a false religion as a dog as a pig because dogs like i say will vomit and then eat up their vomits and a woman is pictured as a, as a pig and of course pigs eat absolutely anything so allow me to say this and i will wrap this message up if you are saved just stay as you are don't allow people to move your move you away from the cross of christ don't allow people to undermine your faith in the scripture don't allow people to question our substitutionary atonement don't fall prey to people who preach lordship salvation i don't care if it comes from the calvinist wing of the church or the armenian wing of the church if the truth were known both groups preach lordship salvation excuse the wasp they both preach lordship salvation the calvinist will preach it to demonstrate that you are saved that you are one of the lord's elect and the armenian will preach it to demonstrate that you are saved to begin with and the moment you stop living it according to the armenian you lose your salvation or the minute you stop living it according to the calvinist you were never chosen to begin with this also goes back to that well-known term backloading the gospel you may see a man on the street corner you may see a guy online you may pick up a tract which preaches correctly the plan of salvation repentance which is a change of mind from unbelief to belief and faith in the lord jesus christ going back to repentance from maybe the belief of many of many gods to the belief of one god and then on top of that one's complete faith in the lord jesus christ and you may say yes i like that and the new birth may be explained correctly to you only to find out down the line that such a preacher such a ministry such an evangelist church fellowship system call it what you will 
doesn't actually believe that. They start to backload the gospel. They start to weigh you down. They start to put the old tithe lie on you. And they start to examine your fruit to see if you really are living it. Never mind how they live. You can't spend time with those people. You don't know those people. The average church in the UK is opened two days a week. Two days a week. And if you're lucky, you may get three hours, possibly four hours a week to spend with such people. You can't get to know somebody by spending just maybe two, three, or three and a half hours with such religious people. And yet a good time, a good number of times, they will stand up in their churches or on YouTube or on television or the radio and preach a message pretending to be living it themselves, going back to how they would promise such liberty to potential followers. And because people, a good number of people, are gullible and also overly trusting, they say to themselves, I'm not saved. Because pastor such and such is saying I should be doing this or I should be doing that. I don't feel like I'm saved. And that's a damage that these Lordship Salvation people do. They backload the gospel. They start to wear you down. They don't want to lose you. I'll tell you a quick story. I remember speaking to Patrick years ago, long before, or just after I got saved. Hadn't been saved very long, maybe a few months. And he told me a story of a guy that he knew. This guy was a cleaner. And this guy went to a church, and the church was run by a man called Dr. Friday. Wonderful name, I know. And this Dr. Friday was a very charismatic, flamboyant, Armenian preacher, hyper-charismatic, a real uh, crazy sort of a guy. And this Dr. Friday had quite a pull, quite, quite a grip, quite a presence in his pews and Dr. Friday had a great fear. He had a great fear of people being poached from his church and this chap, this charismatic that Patrick knew and he heard these stories, these accounts of Dr. Friday almost threatening members of his church not to abandon his church and go over to somebody else's church. Because this is the fear that church leaders have. If a typical church loses two or three families, they're in trouble. In fact, somebody once said, if you are in a church and there are no babies crying, your church is dead. I'm not sure I, qu I quite uh, agree with that. I know what they are saying. If a baby's crying or if babies are crying, there's another generation coming up to continue church attendance. But this Dr. Friday, had a church of around 45, 50 people and was worried, was terrified that people would jump ship and go over to somebody else's church and therefore Dr. Friday did what Rome likes to do or Islam. What do they call it? The sin of apostasy? What do the JWs call it? Shunning? These groups are all the same. If you are a Jew and you get saved and you live in a Jewish community, they will kick you out. They will just disregard you. You are now persona non grata. If you are a Muslim and you get saved, in their minds, they have the right to murder you. They call that the sin of apostasy. The JWs will shun you. And I've met former JWs now born again, living with unsaved spouses. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living with an unsaved husband, an unsaved wife, who goes to the Kingdom Hall or the Steakhouse, if such are Mormons, and you are born again, you are a holy vessel filled with a triune God, and every night you have to get into bed with a Jehovah's Witness, a Mormon, well, let's say you are a saved man or woman 
and your husband or your wife is a Muslim or you're a saved man or woman and your spouse is a Jew or a Catholic or how about if you are a saved woman and your husband is a Freemason can you imagine that? And Dr. Friday was very fearful of losing his congregations and he started to put the fear of God into people like the old tithe lie if you don't give to the church you are stealing from God you are a thief and thieves don't inherit the kingdom of God and therefore those people are now fearful of losing their millennial inheritance but more importantly for them they are also fearful of losing their salvation that's the pull that these churches these leaders these charlatans these fraudsters these hucksters have over the people in their churches going back to how the love of money is the roots of all evil take money out of religion it would all sink within five minutes that's what holds all of these churches together it's money go back to the early church they were poor the Lord Jesus Christ had nowhere to lay his head Paul was a tent maker later on of course he would become almost blind he had whip marks he had burn marks he had stab marks all over his body I mean he really went through the mill and that's why his congregations his fellow Christians came to his aid because they loved him but the point was this never once would Peter Paul James or John Matthew Mark Luke Jude would sell out the Lord Jesus Christ never once would those gentlemen ever once sell out the Lord Jesus Christ they all preached faith and faith alone in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ they preached a death burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and again that's what sets Christ apart from all other religions and I'm convinced deep down in the hearts of Jewish rabbis like that guy in Jerusalem or the mullahs in their mosques or priests in their churches or vicars in their systems or JW leaders Mormon leaders Harry Krishna gurus Freemasons call it what you will whoever they are I am convinced that those people all have one thing in common they will never admit this of course publicly but they all have one thing in common they are jealous they are jealous of the true Bible believing Christian because we have what they don't have we have a risen Savior we know that we are saved we know that our Savior is Almighty God those people don't have that those people have religion but not redemption those people are parts of a system but they're not part of the Savior and that's one of the reasons why the hysteria continues to ricochet all over the world when it comes to people such as that they are jealous they are insecure and they are kicking against the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ coming up with pernicious arguments spurious statements about the Savior about the scripture take Jesus Christ out of the equation you've got no Israel take Jesus Christ out of the equation the Jews are a third-rate people nobody would care about them nobody would care about the Old Testament it'd be a lost book read by maybe a million people around the world like the Hindu literature or the Sikh literature or Hare Krishna materials or Masonic materials nobody cares about such materials I mean on a mass scale most of the Western world profess to be Christian and this is how the devil works you see he's jealous six times in the book of Isaiah he wants to do this he wants to do that and the devil or the spirit associated with the devil unclean spirits are in such preachers around the world today and of course some of these preachers are overly educated 
trusting in their own flesh, their own brains, their own customs, their own cultures, and as a result, they're going to perish. And that's why those of us which are saved have to speak up. We have a voice, and yet many times we are reluctant, fearful to use it, and that's a great shame. There's power in the blood of Christ, there is power in the Word of God. We are the only people on the face of the earth that know that we are absolutely saved. We don't doubt, we don't wonder, we know that we are God's people, we know that we are saved without any doubt whatsoever. You put that to a Mormon, he can't give you an affirmation to that. Put it to a Jew or a Catholic, they can't give you an affirmation to that. If you don't believe me, just ask any Jewish person you know, any Mormon, Muslim, Jehovah's Witness, Catholic that you know whether or not they are saved and can show you in print, in a holy book, so-called, that they are guaranteed everlasting life, they can't do it. They may lie to you, they may lie to themselves, but they can't prove it, and that's my whole point. Whereas we can prove it, because we have the Word of God. But more importantly, we have our Saviour risen and seated at the right hands of God the Father in Heaven. What a wonderful God we have indeed. So, please subscribe to our new channel, 2020, colon, eyes to see and ears to hear. And I'll put the link in the description box. And if you can, tick the notification bell. Please pray for the new channel. We want to put up some good quality videos over the next little while. Now the wind is picking up, so I think I will sign out and look forward to uh, your comments over on the new channel. And may the Lord bless you all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.